We are podcasting from the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Back to You is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. On the next edition of Nude Hippo, the podcast, I chat with... Larry Potash. I know him. He's with the WGN Morning News celebrating 25 years... Of mediocrity. (laughs) (laughs) That's the next time on Nude Hippo, the podcast. Nude Hippo, the podcast. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and opi show on the radio misfits podcast network this is back to you with howard sudbury and steve baskerville i just realized what your problem is uh, i you can't read no 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 <laughs> instead of reading the screen read the words yes yeah well, what screen are you reading i'm reading the screen with the words on <laughs> no. it and not very well and <laughs> not well at all i would ask you how you are but i already know uh how can first you of tell all how i am i i, I meet him in the elevator to come up where we're doing the show and he says he greets me with not hey hello how are you i'm ready to go he he says why don't you listen to me do you ever listen to me do you ever listen and i said no not really and that is because we're recording two shows today and he doesn't want to record two in one day does that wear you out yeah because i say to you in almost every conversation that I don't necessarily want to do two shows at a time. Necessarily. That's the key word. Well, I, and yeah, I'm, that I'm that stronger than that. that. Each room. time I say, I don't want to do two shows. And then suddenly I get these notes and, <laughs> and texts about the two shows we're doing. And I give you questions. Yeah. yeah. And I'm saying, what part of that doesn't he understand or get? Yeah. Do I have to put it on the screen that he reads? <laughs> <laughs> or tries to read? Yeah. You know, I, one thing I have to ask you, are And you're just blowing right by it now. I don't right. understand it. Like, see, this is what happens. You just go right on by it. Well, we're doing two shows. <laughs> but anyway, if we can get through this one, <laughs> if we can start, um, I want to know about your parking situation because our guest, I, I gave her the app, but she took the parking app, but she took the train. Yes. Last, last recording when we were down here, we did two shows. Um, you went into the parking garage, couldn't get your app to work. You couldn't find, you took a ticket. You couldn't find a parking place. You had to pay to get out, right? It's unbelievable with you. What? You always find a way. Let's bring it on down a little bit. <laughs> I was in a pretty good mood. Seriously, I was feeling better today. Now you have to recap all of that bad history. And then you went to another garage, yeah. and you said that if that garage had been full, gone you would have gone home at home there'd yeah. been no shows no show that there'd been a show i would have done it yeah well it wouldn't have been a good show this will be a good one because of our guests so i what i'm asking is they gave you called them this park we don't want to say them because we don't want to get sued you almost did though yeah Yeah. but go ahead and you called them and they said all right we'll give you a free parking spot the next time did you use it no (laughs) Why? Because I don't want to go through that same routine again. Why? I mean, okay, all you, you go do... there and you pay ahead of time. You go with the app and you put it up where the thing's supposed to work, the code, and then it doesn't work. And there's seven cars behind you and they're honking and it's you're holding the world up. Then you get a grab a ticket. Then you go in and you spend 15 minutes looking for a space that doesn't exist. So you decide to leave and they want you to pay $18 for that. And you ended up paying 60 bucks. I must have paid about $170 to park <laughs> for two hours. And I've never had that happen once. Well, you're a lucky guy. Yeah. I'm done with it for right now. I'm done. Have I'm I, almost going to take the app off the phone. Have I got you in a bad enough mood yeah, to so start now, the show? Yeah, so now you're ready, right? Yes. Now we're going to introduce our guest. And uh, she has a very unique occupation. And I think her story is fascinating because she packed up from her home country of England and came to America to begin riding here. She is a jockey based in Arlington International Racecourse where I work in the summer and her name is Sophie Doyle. Sophie, how are you? Good morning. Hello. Good morning, guys. Have you uh, enjoyed this uh, argument banter so far? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, it was great advice to get it, but I'm glad I just took the train and had yeah. a walk this morning. That was a smart move. You know, I am uh, glad that you're here, Sophie, because I know, as opposed to Howard, I know very, very little about your occupation and how one goes about becoming a jockey, 
um, being successful as a jockey, uh, what your routine is like. I know nothing of that other than showing up at the racetrack and enjoying your work. So, um, you know, I'm going to be a real novice when it comes to, you know, finding out more about you. But I'm fascinated by the whole thing. Most people will move from where they live to be a star in their profession somewhere else. But I haven't ever heard of someone leaving from one place to go to another to be a jockey. But that was part of your reason for most of the reason for coming to the States, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, um, I'd rode in England for the past seven years, um, traveled over to Dubai and been out to America and California for a couple of working holidays through the winter. And I just decided that I needed a fresh break and thought, why not make, come back over to America, start fresh and try and get my career rolling again. And it's taken me a couple of years to do it. And I think that is because I did literally, I didn't know anybody. I knew nobody before I came to the States. So when I moved wow. over here, I really had to work hard to build up connections. And now a few years down the line, well, actually six years today was when I landed in America. That's my fascinating. Anniversary. I mean, to me, that that takes a lot of guts to move to another country and not know anybody just from a standpoint of not not from your work, but just from, you know, from a social aspect or, you know, did you get homesick? I did a little bit, but I think it helped a couple of years before that I started going away when I went to Dubai for two winters. So that helped quite a bit. And then I came back and I went to um, backed out. I went out to California and I worked there for a couple of months, left there and then went back again the next year. And the next year, the second time I went back to America, I knew what I wanted to do. So right then I had to kind of get a feel of where I wanted to be and the right people that I needed to kind of help me when I came back again to get the ball rolling. Uh -huh. So that's what I did. Now, when you show up uh, at a track and say, hey, this is where I belong, I want to ride... I'm a terrific jockey. I mean, how do, you, how do you prove yourself? Do you come with tapes in hand? Do you have people look at past races you were in on the Internet? I mean, how do you get a job like that? Um, over here, I actually just had to work in the morning. You had to have a good work ethic. In California, they, their track opens at like 4.45. So you're there early, and I would start from 4.45 until 10, 10.30. Which and what, what are you doing? So every morning I'd be getting on horses that are either exercising around the track, doing their breeze work, so their faster workouts that they have before they race. And then um, you just keep going all morning long and jump from one trainer to another trainer in the barns, um, whoever needed you, because I was a freelance rider. So as a freelance rider, you're not working, obviously, for you're not employed by one trainer. You're employed by yourself and you bounce around from one barn to the other. And then eventually you end up with a good connection of people that want you to come and work their horses. Now, are there other women who are, who are doing that? Uh, what you're doing, uh, the job you're talking about as a assistant to a trainer, or, or, or this is something already that men have dominated, and that's what they have been doing for a long time. Men have been they've been doing it for a long time, but also women have been out there doing it too. I think I was reading an article this morning about the top 10 female ride, females in horse racing that really brought females to light in the sport. Um, Diane Crump was one of the first ones to do it, and well, it was back in... What, Probably 19, the 60s? 60s, right? 50s, 60s, and there was yeah. another lady on there from 19, hmm. 1921. Really? That she rode, um, she rode horses in the morning and would just exercise, ride them, and then she also started doing um, small track races and pony racing. She started doing pony racing when she was 15. Well, there have been a lot of uh, successful female riders over the years, but jump ahead to 2019. Uh, do you still feel like, are you at any disadvantage? Are there, are there trainers or owners that uh, are hesitant to ride a female rider? And if so, why? Yes. It does still happen, I think. And I think the, you know, female riders, we always have to prove ourselves. And I think uh, people have realized that a lot recently with my Philly street band, that I've learned that people are learning that I've been driving down to Kentucky every other week to go and breeze her, 
just to make sure that I keep that mount, that I don't let somebody else come in and hmm. say, hey, well, I'd really like to ride her, which I do know some jocks, obviously, and they're going to. That's their job, is to ask if I'm not available or if I'm not able to be there for a morning. You know, if you need me to help me out, help you out, we can do that. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm always a jump <laughs> one, two steps ahead. Like, no, I'll be there in the morning. No, what's her name? Street Band. And how do you develop a relationship with a horse like that? Working her in the morning, as the trainer asked me to work her out and work for the team in, in the barn in the morning. So I'd go in there and work whatever horses they had, Breezen. And one of them was Street Band, who I ended up riding her when she ran her first time out down at the um, fairgrounds there. I ended up riding her, got along with her really well. And Larry said, look, let's leave Sophie on. She's a quirky filly. And so we just kept every morning we'd go around and develop a good relationship together and paid off on race days. So it helps a lot, I mean, that a jockey has a relationship with a horse. You don't just show up at a track and say, okay, I'll ride the that horse over there in the third race tomorrow. Yeah, the horse and, and the trainer. I mean, first, like she said, you got to visit the trainer and get to know them a little bit, and then you get to exercise the horses in the morning, and the trainer can tell immediately if the jockey gets along and fits fits that horse, mm -hmm. right, Sophie? Yeah, absolutely. There's been quite a few horses that I've got along with really, really well compared to other people. And then there might be some horses that I get on that for some reason we just don't gel. Hmm. And I know my mom always told me, well, Sophie, it's your job as a jockey to get along with every horse that you ride. You have to figure out a way to ride them and how to get along with them which you can try a hundred times. And I just I just know I have that feeling that I'm some horses, I'm just not the right fit. And that's not because I'm a woman or physically or mentally. There is just a connection there that as a hum, two human beings and mm -hmm. souls together that you're just not gelling. So I always say to the trainer that, look, I think you're better off if you let somebody else have a shot on this horse because there's just something not happening. Yeah. And as a team, you always want your team to do well for each other. I don't, I don't like to be selfish and say, well, I'm just going to keep riding that horse till I do get along with it or something falls into place. Now, look, I know what you're going to ask me, Howard. I'm going to ask you first. You ever been on a horse? I mean, have you sure. ridden? Yeah. Um, not, well, not that kind. No, not, not, a, race, not, not a race horse. <laughs> but uh, how many times have you ridden a horse in your lifetime? I don't know. Um, at least 20, a half dozen. 20, oh, really? Yeah. My I, dad was a trainer, so I I didn't I never rode him on the racetrack, but he would when I was really young, he would walk me around the barn area on a real racehorse. And then I had ponies when I was a kid. So you agree about the whole developing a relationship idea with the horse. Yeah, I do. Not that I ever developed a relationship. I mean, I just got on him and <laughs> I, I was on a horse once. I was just dead weight. I, I, I was on a horse once in my life in Arizona. It was a, you know, one of these guides where, where they guide a family around on the horse. And I was petrified because I always felt like the horse was in charge. And he was doing me a favor to let me sit on his back. And uh, he, I don't know what it was. It was just a feeling that I had. Do, it, it, do you have to get that that connection right away? Do you have to let the horse know, hey, I'm in charge? Is it that kind of thing we're talking about when you're developing this relationship with the horse? Is it more give and take than that? It's um, it's a lot of give and take with the horses and yourself, but horses are a natural herd animal, and they like to be they're either a leader or they're a follower. Hmm. So you have to kind of establish their own natural ways of going. Um, so they want to be a horse that wants to be in front and in charge all the time and likes to feel like they've got a bit more power and that you're just there with them as a passenger. And that's so exactly speak. how I felt. Or yeah. Do, yeah. Uh, some, and some horses, are mental, mentally, they're strong like that, that they'll, they know what they're doing, but they'll also look after you. The horses know, okay, I've got a human on my back. I know how to look after this person. I'm not going to take off and go running. I'm going to just go nice and sedate. And horses will always know the difference between a baby being on their back to somebody who, like myself, that knows exactly what they're doing. And you, you'll see a big difference sometimes with horses, as I did with myself, as when my mum trained and I had ponies of my own, 
that I'd bring my friends home from school that had never ridden a horse mm-hmm. or a pony. And I'd say, don't worry, I'll teach you to ride in the one weekend. So they would get on and my ponies would just go to sleep. They knew that, okay, we've got to look after this person. We're not going to do anything to get them hurt. We'll just go nice and steady. And they were absolute angels. And then when uh-huh. I would get back on them, they just couldn't believe the difference in these ponies that were like, right, let's go. They were fired up. They want to jump, but play, But that's, and that's have what fun. I don't understand. How do they know? How do they know that? Tra- and does it take a long time to, to make that connection with the horse? Sometimes it can. You know, you know like ho- us and the horses, they're spirits. Mm-hmm. They've got souls, and they just they they connect with people, and they know what how those people are feeling. It's the energy that you have around them and around yourself. Yeah, that horse that you were riding, yeah. you said you were scared to yeah. death. The yeah. horse knew it. Probably since that I was they, afraid. Yeah, they can. And I think a lot of it, Sophie, is through, you know, like you said, there's a spirit, but they can just feel how you feel. But it's a lot of it is 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 your holding how you're holding the mm-hmm. reins, exactly, and communicating with them. Uh, do you talk to them when you're going out on the track? Do you pet them? Do always. You, do you? Always talking to them. I always, um, first, if you're riding a f- like babies when you've got your maiden races mm-hmm. and they're inside, um, whether they've ran one, not haven't run at all, or they've ran five or six races, I'll always walk up to them first and give them a pat and say hello. And let them, I always let them smell my, the back of my glove. So they know that you're about to get on their back. Uh-huh. So when you do get on them, they've got a bit of trust and sense that you're there and you'll look after them. Now, do you go through other routines on race day? I mean, other than with the horse, do you wake up extra early? Do you eat? Do you not eat? I mean, what happens on the day of a race? Day of, day of racing. Um, usually, first thing I do is when I wake up in the morning is I step on the scales. That's a routine every single morning because that sets me up for my whole day to know what I can eat and, the, eat and drink in the morning mm-hmm. to how many hours do I have from my, to my first race to be the right weight and then I'm the correct weight all day. Um, so I always, at the end of the morning when I've been got up, gone to the barn, worked out some horses, been around to see some of the trainers, and then I always think, right, how many hours do I have now until my first ride? So I always prefer not to eat any in a window of two to three hours before I start riding because you just feel it's sitting and it's right. heavy on you. Right. And jockeys, Steve, are assigned a certain weight that they mm-hmm. have to maintain. Yeah, correct? we do. I mean, most jockeys will be anywhere between probably 110 to 118. That's the varies, and everybody's different in heights, weights, sizes. So you've got jockeys that can make the lightest weights, and you've got jockeys that can... They can make down to like probably 118, 117, and that's it. So you've got your lighter weight jockeys that can take those weights. And you're racing more than one one race mm-hmm. at a time on a race yeah. day. Yeah, most race some most race days I'm riding usually between six to eight races a really? day. Really, and um, so it keeps me quite busy. I'm sure. And tiring, Steve. Do you get on the scale every morning? <laughs> Uh, See, why is he, Sophie, what's that about? What kind of question is that to answer? I think it's a good question Uh, because she was wondering it. I I got on the scale this morning. Did you? Yeah, and you want to know something? Within the last, I don't know, several months or so, Uh I've lost weight. Have you? Yeah, I'm very proud of that. Terrific. You know what it is, Sophie? The key is, for me, I don't eat after 8 p.m., or at least I try not to. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's working for me. That's what they always say. Don't eat real late and then i've heard other people say it's just a matter of calorie intake so yeah. it doesn't matter when you eat now sophie do you have to work out a lot i mean do you do you uh, train like an athlete would train i do sometimes i would probably on off days i might go to i go to orange theory which is a workout mm-hmm. that you would train with a heart rate monitor on so you're able to work to what your fitness is showing you so what I really love about that fitness workout is that I can push myself a little bit more or I know I can back off a little bit and do something a bit easier, especially when it comes to the cardio and your um, your sprints. I know I can push myself a bit more and I know so then coming up to race days, I can back off a little bit, but I know how fit I'm being. You know, I, I phrased that the wrong way too. Mm-hmm. I said like an athlete would. But you are an athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you consider the horse an athlete as well? 
Oh, 100%. They're the ones that are underneath you doing most of the running. We're just there to guide them. And most of our work comes from, you know, basically you need to be tactical, tactical in a race where you're setting the horse up to make a run late or be in front and save some energy. Um, every horse runs has a different style of riding and a different way of going. Um, I rode one last on Saturday called Peppermint Crunch, who is probably one of the toughest horses to ride. Really? Why? And it, he, for some reason, in the morning and in the post parade, he's quiet, nice and relaxed. But when it comes, as soon as those break, the gates open and he breaks, he becomes like this monster who is just wants to run real hard and he's strong and he's tough and it takes every every ounce of muscle that I have to hold this horse that I actually have to psych myself up and be like no you're gonna hold him you gotta hold him don't you dare go I get really mad at mm -hmm. myself and I actually talk out loud so I can hear myself like meant physically and mentally I'd saying it to myself like get strong don't let this horse go if you want to win this race, you have to be strong. Now, is that happening as you're riding in the race? You're yelling like that? I mean, you're, you're I mean, communicating. I mean, I'm saying it to, like, I can hear it. Right, I don't right. know if the person next to me can hear it. Sure. But I do it because then I hear myself say, like, you know, come on, get strong. You can do this. And I somehow I managed to hold this horse in behind. And we got on Saturday, now, we got, got the job done. Did you're you in a you race. Won? Sorry? Did you win the race? Yeah, did that you? was you on did. Peppermint Crunch Good. for Dale Bennett. Yeah. Good. In your in a race like this, let's say there's seven, eight other horses. What do you are you focused so that you're not even paying attention to a lot of what's around you? Are you always mindful of where other horses are? Yeah, you've always got to be mindful of everybody else. I mean, and sometimes not just the horses that you can see in front of you. If you're no. in the middle of the pack. You have to be aware of what's going on behind you because if you make a sudden move where you drop into the fence, well, what if somebody was coming up the fence and you've just shut them off and put them through the fence? You can't do that. You have to be really mindful. You've always got to be watching what's going on in front of you, around you. You know, if you're going around the turn, you always got to look over your shoulder and check if somebody's coming up the inside and, you know, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. But also because here in America, you, there are guidelines that you can't just knock into somebody. You will get either suspended or taken, your number will get taken down if you interfere with other people's placings. So you've always got to be mindful that you've got to look after, you know, your fellow colleagues and horses, but also your owners and your connections that you don't want to lose a race either for them. Yeah, like uh, the Kentucky Derby this year, Steve, The for the first time in history, the the horse that finished first was disqualified for interfering with another horse. Yeah, it was so subtle. I didn't see it. It was, uh, oh, it I wasn't mean, that was subtle. It not? It was, <laughs> Maybe you know, I was looking at the wrong race. Yeah, that wasn't the Kentucky Derby <laughs> oh, so that you were looking at. I saw was, how Sophie was, looked at me like, what? <laughs> yeah. So it was so, really uh, obvious. Oh, huh? horse, yeah, it was pretty. Yeah. Well, a horse almost went down. I mean, it was... It was, it was pretty yeah. bad. But I bet you there are things that happen that we may not see, right? Mm -hmm. You may that, not. That, that's going, well, I mean, <laughs> aren't there other things going on that the public may not be aware of during the course of a race? Well, I'll tell you one that happened this weekend that for the first time ever in my career, this has ever happened. And it's, a, and it's something goes along with the saying when jockeys are getting overtaken or other horses take off and they go on, and they go on and win mm -hmm. and we'll say oh why you know when you were coming by you why don't you let me grab your tail and pull me along a bit right could have helped me out there and let me grab your tail well this this weekend um one of the horses was passing me by and i had my stick in the left and i was waving my stick and about to use it and the horse's tail the horse that went by me his tail flew up and got wrapped around my hat, around mm. my fingers. Really? And I literally was, like, pulling his tail. I'm going, oh, my... I'm, like, trying to <laughs> let go, but we're trying to let go of it, like, somehow free my hand from his tail and not drop my stick as well and keep a finish. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. For all the times that we always say, well, then you let me catch sure, your tail and sure. run yeah. along with you, it really did happen. And that horse, he went along, went along and nearly won the race, and he just got beat a nose, and I said, oh, my God, maybe it was me that was pulling him back that he missed it. It, it, it might have. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Do you, uh, do you yell 
talk to, uh, argue with oh, other me? jockeys? Oh, you do with you. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> we all argue yeah. with you. Yeah, I do. I love to agitate <laughs> yes. you. That's okay. what people say. Okay, move along. Move along. Move along. Yes. Yes. Um, you know what happened now, don't you? <laughs> what? You're going to take a break. No, I forgot the question. No. No, <laughs> Sophie, that happens a lot. I, 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 no, I remember. Sophie, uh, we, we, we get so distracted by other things. You but, you know. We have no attention span. But what is it uh, I heard? What's the attention span of the average human? Have you, Tony, have you heard that? He three, wasn't paying attention or, to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's three or four seconds. Is it really? Yes. Man. Yeah. Anyway, so but we're what, not, we're not going to say we're not the average <laughs> human being. She remembers the question. Do you, do you ever argue, yell at, uh, have discussions with jockey? Well, not a discussion, but with the other jockeys during a race. Sometimes like we get do. out of my way or. Yeah, definitely. If you're coming around and you need in a bit of space or, you know, if you look over and realize someone's like really, really strong, like I was saying on Peppermint Crunch on a horse like him. You know, I was constantly letting the jock know that was up in front of me to the outside, like, hey, I'm like, don't hold me in. If I can't hold him, I'm like, sometimes they think you're kind of, you know, you're being a bit of a cry wolf. Hey, I'm a bit keen. And yeah. you go through and then you go on and win the race. And they're like, well, you look like you didn't need any room. Why were you shouting for it? And if you do that as a jock, if you're crying wolf all the time, you're not going to get any help in the race. But um, but at general races, yeah, we will talk or things are going on. Um, on Sunday in the last race, I was out the back with Ty Kennedy and there was all this commotion going on. And I looked at him and I said, what's all the rush? Why is everybody mm -hmm. rushing around to get up there? And we're just sitting out the back door having a little talk to each other and saying, well, we're enjoying ourselves. At least yeah. we're not up there having <laughs> getting in trouble. Um, and then I went ahead and was like, you know, come on, follow me through. I had a bit more horse than he did, so yeah. he did. He followed me all the way through. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and some of the top some of the top riders, the older riders, well, they will always say something in a race or mention something as you're going around because you're all trying to beat your top athletes. Yeah. So you always want other people to ride safe around you too. Have you ever been in a race where there's another female jockey? Yeah, all the time. All the time. All I mean, so time. it happens more frequently mm -hmm. than, because uh, yeah. I always wonder is that uh, that's just another jockey. I mean, there's no. Do you do you all as jockeys, men and women, know each other well it, before the uh, as you're hanging out waiting for the race to begin? Are you supporting each other? Are you trying not to have conversations because you're thinking about the upcoming race? No, we'll hang it. We'll hang out and talk and have conversations about the races, horses. Um, anything going on in the world like we're all human yeah. beings yeah. and have fun but the moment that we step out of the jocks room and we're walking into the paddock right we're not friends with anybody then that's when you become your enemies and you're out there all for one and you're, that's you're one team you're one team that you have with your horse your trainers your owners your connections so that's, that's where the focus goes forget the mm -hmm. friendship then after the race yeah. you're fine again yeah sometimes I mean, like yeah. It depends on what happens in the race. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it can. It, um, it can. It can get heated. Yeah. It can, but we, you know, we're pretty good. And one thing that I've always done as an athlete for me, mm -hmm. and I don't care whether they answer me or not, but if I run second and they beat me, I always congratulate them. I'll always Doing congratulate good. the other jockey, even if they don't hear me. I say congratulations, like because That's classy. It just feels better to be like that than to be hateful towards somebody going, oh, you know, yeah. you beat me. Yeah, of course I wanted to beat you. But you know what? Fair play. You you rode your race. You rode hard. You won the race. Congrats. Oh, that's great. It just feels better as a person to be like that. Yeah. Uh, guess what, Steve? Another test. What? <laughs> Goodness, Sophie's testing me all the time. <laughs> yes, I'm awake and I've been listening. And my attention span is still fine. It's time for a break. We'll be right back. Podcasting from Chicago, an OPI production for the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This 
is Losano and Friends. Hey, I'm Tony Losano. I'm back with Losano Friends, and that means my friends are back with me. This is true. We are back. That was Chris. Hello. That was Sammy. I'm here as well, and Kimmy's here in spirit. That was Tommy. Tony, your microphone sucks. That was Michael. Try doing it without sounding like you tried this three times and failed. <laughs> Damn. I've been spending my entire summer bickering with my four-year-old nephew. You win any arguments? I don't know, but I bet you I'm prepared for this season. I'm ready for anything. So join us as we do the funny. Or at least try. Or it's a very dramatic show. Are these awkward silences or dramatic silences? <laughs> Either way, we're back. All this and more on Lasano and Friends, a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's the ever-escalating costs of pickup trucks, plus a special segment as we remember Lee Iacocca. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs> and we are back. This is back to you with Steve Baskerville and some other guy. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> they finally got it right. You got they me finally, cut out. I've been asking them to get it right, and they got it right. You got me cut out. What do you think out. about that, Sophie? That was pretty, pretty nice. You know what it is? It's a breach of my contract. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. I've contract. What a deal you got. You know what I wonder, too, about a, a jockey? If I went with you to another track in, in some races would you be able to pick the winners from your knowledge of horses and racing or would you just be like the typical person sitting in the stands waiting to you know waiting for the race to begin would you have any more knowledge that i could feed off of for any just any race can you tell things yeah absolutely that's part of being as a jockey's job that's part of what we do we go through races essentially we're our own handicappers yeah um when i go through my races i always try and build up a strategy of how races are going to going to unfold how people ride their races but also what i'm able to do at arlington is i'm able to know a lot of the horses that are running from a morning basis to an afternoon so i'm able to put that into what's going on but when we go to another racetrack yeah the only thing I can do is go through the, all the form that we have and the information that's there in front of you and be able to watch race videos, race replays of horses' past performances and go through them that way and try and, you know, build a format for myself in that fashion. And it happens. I've been to other racetracks and I'll sit there and I'll watch how the races are playing for the day. I'll make notes on where the first four finishes are coming from all day before I get to my race. So then you're, that way you're able to build up a pattern. And sometimes, if I guess if I was a better, maybe it would help. Well, I've been so, known to be a better. Yes, you have. And I'll call you on those days and you let me know what you think. You're it, talking to me? You, uh, no, I'm not. Because I'm certainly not talking you, to you. I've taken you to the track. <laughs> yeah. And then we just go through the past races of the horse and assess what's going to happen in that race. And then I Howard ask you. Study, Howard really studies in... in does his homework and I can't do it. I, I can't read the form like that. I mean, it takes, I and mean, it looks I just, like a bunch of numbers to me, but. Tell you what, how much we bet on the yeah, race, and you yes. said, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how much? No, but I could see where it pays off because he's so knowledgeable about the mm -hmm. sport. Um, and just what you said is what he does. So I always take his word for what, where the money goes for and, whatever. Yeah. The, and the you've race. made some money. Can you tell uh, by, is right there anything, you know, while I'm calling him remembering it, I am. <laughs> well, can, you, can you tell anything about an upcoming, is there such a thing as, oh, that horse is jumpy as he gets into the gate. That means a certain thing. Or, yeah, or, you try to remember horses' traits, and mm -hmm. not just Jerome, but other horses. Um, especially when these races are here at Arlington, you know, all the races, the horses keep coming up against the same ones again unless they're moving up in conditions or moving out of conditions when they're winning races, or if they are dropping, then the, um, as the horses here are quite regular runners on race, on race days, you tend to get to know them all. I mean, even though there's thousands of racehorses on the back stretch, when it comes to race days and you're in most the majority of the races, then you get to learn how certain horses are behaving and 
it does make a big difference, especially when you come out into the paddock. Mm-hmm. You watch how the horses walk around the paddock. So really, that out. gives you a clue, too. Yeah, and then when you're out on the racetrack, too, when you're warming the horse up, a jockey might be warming a horse up a bit more than usual. Another jockey might not be warming his horse up at all, and that's because he's got certain traits that he's just trying to keep that horse relaxed. And then, of course, when you go to start to go in the starting gate, a horse is walking straight in, standing quiet, a mm-hmm. horse is acting up and don't want to go in. Uh, Does that tell you, what does that in. tell you necessarily? Um, it just tells you about where the horse's mental focus is, how you know where he is for the day and how well he's looking. And also once they get in the gate, if certain things happen in the race or they're acting up, um, you know how they're going to kind of have an idea how they would break with you. Um, and it sets you up to know the biggest key of all is how the race is going to take shape. Steve and that's the big part. Acts, he's grilling her like you got the shape. I just want to know. Need to go make a bet. <laughs> I look. You well, want to know I'm, everything? I'm just curious. I don't know any of. The, I mean, I love getting the inside, you know, yeah. information on what it's like to be a jockey. What it's the whole experience is like, um, and it's all quick. I mean, it all happens so fast. And you're talking about all these things that are on your mind from l- leaving the paddock to the end of the race. That's what just minutes. Well, there, there's a war, there's a period of like twenty minutes or so where you're walking around the track before you ten well, ten or minutes. less less. If that, sometimes yeah. even when I get out onto the track if there's been a hold up, oh, yeah. you'll be on the track a minute before post time. So you you have like thirty essentially you got thirty seconds to go down, come back, go straight to oh, the gate. Goodness. Um, and we're out there in all kind of weather conditions too. Yeah. From the baking heat to pouring rain that we have, the heavy rainfalls here. That's been interesting. What do you hate the most? Which, which do you hate the most? Can you? Is it too hot or is it the rain or is it? Too cold. Too cold. I hate the cold. I do hate ride. I hate riding in the cold. Really? Does a horse behave differently in the cold? Yeah, they. A lot of the horses they like to a little bit more bouncy, more fresh, because they're trying to feel warm themselves. So it's like us when we go outside and it's a bit nippy. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. we got to warm up. So that's what the horses are like too on fresh days, especially when it's been really nice and warm. They're all nice and relaxed. But then when you have a day when the like a few days ago when the temperature just dropped, yeah, all the horses are bouncing around, going up to the track. They're all playing around because they're feeling good about themselves because they haven't felt that chilly in a while. Now, are you feeling good about that? Is that good news for you, or you don't like that as a jockey? For me, I, they're horses. They're okay. fun to ride, so okay. I just enjoy them. And if they want to play and have fun, then I go with them. Okay. Uh, I'm curious. I want to change the subject for a second. Uh, being from England, what, what was the biggest, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say shock, but the biggest difference in America when you got to the United States from home? The biggest difference. What did you have to get used to? Um, definitely, the um, what I had to get used to is how Americans didn't understand what I was saying. <laughs> I don't that understand half of what Howard's saying, uh, so I'm trying to get to, used to that too. You know, even just to ask for water, I would say, "Can I get a glass of water with lemons?" And then they're looking yeah. at me, going, "What? What is she saying?" So in the end, I'd end up saying, "Can I get a glass of water?" <laughs> and then they would then they would get it. They're like, oh, okay. So I kind of had to change some of my words for people to understand me. And I'm also, because I'm so softly spoken, when we'd go into the bars and places, they wouldn't hear me, so they definitely couldn't understand what I was saying. So I'd look at anybody that's around to say, oh, you just order for me. It's easier that way. Now, what's your fa- what, what, was, what became your, your favorite food here that you didn't eat at home? Actually, what food I did not eat at home um, is actually Mexican food. Um, I didn't eat a lot of sushi back home either. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely going to a place like New Orleans is when I started racing down there. That was like a totally different part of the world that I've ever have I ever been to, and um, you know the food was so different, so much more flavor and spice and kick to it. Um, Never in my life did I eat charboiled oysters. <laughs> Would never touch them until my boyfriend actually was like, "Look, you can eat them, try them." And so I'll only eat char-grilled ones. I will not eat raw, raw ones. Yeah, I'm off that kick too. After I've read <laughs> how sick you can get, but they're awfully good. Uh, how about pizza? 
Pizza, I like pizza. Not too often, though, because now I've started actually... Unless I'm eating gluten-free pizza, then I'm okay with it because it doesn't fill me up the way regular pizza does. Now, I, I uh, Sophie, you, you talk about the difference in idioms and things that people say in one country and they don't say in another or words or expressions. I, I watch a lot of TV that comes out of the BBC just because mm-hmm. I like it or that Channel 4 over there. Um, and uh, one thing repeatedly that I hear is folks standing in a queue, right, mm-hmm. as opposed to a line. Do you know what a queue is? Yeah, a line. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, From I, going over there. I didn't know until the first time I visited England. Yeah, the people aren't saying mm-hmm. standing in line, standing no. in line there. we'd say, oh, God, look at the queue. Yes. Yeah, and I'd go, what you queue? You have to queue up for that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Or, or uh, uh, somebody gets, uh, I've heard the expression a lot, having a laugh. Mm-hmm. Having a laugh. As, as opposed to, is does that mean that you're making fun of me or you're... You're not. It's like if people are enjoying themselves, enjoying themselves, you say, "Oh, they're just having a laugh." Okay. It's okay. But if I, if, but if I want to irritate Howard and he's getting upset, he may ask me if I'm having a laugh, right? Yeah. About him. If someone's being sarcastic, you'd be like, "Are you having a laugh right now?" Yes. Come on. I'm and always having <laughs> a laugh at his sake. <laughs> and here's another one. Like when you showed up today to begin this recording, yeah, um, you were pissed. Okay. Now here, you know what that means in America? Aggravated. Yes. Angry. Yes, you're angry. And in England, what's it mean? You're drunk. Yes. Oh, okay. You're drunk. And guess what else? But you know what was going to happen, Sophie? What? As I got pissed, if things had escalated in here, it it was about to kick off. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you heard that one? Sure. And if you're really pissed, you know what that means? Sorry. It means you're... Aggravated and drunk. That's that's when you when you combine them. Sort of my condition right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there are a lot of sayings like that 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 you use in England. And do you have trouble understanding us ever? Did you have no, trouble not, understanding? Not really. No, not over here. It's. Um, I think just after listening to it, Americans, I've changed a couple of things that I do say. Because I don't live around many English people anymore. Yeah. Do so. we have an accent to you, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. See, we, you we have a very, you, you do, Howard, have a very strange accent. You really? What I is it? I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, when I was uh, on a trip that I made to London years ago. Funny guy. I went to the area that's the Broadway the, uh, the the London version of Broadway, as it was, and I saw a play. That called, would be Trafalgar Square, right by there, right, Sophie? I don't know about that. Yeah, it's around. It's around Trafalgar it? Square. You've got Broadway, same as here. You have the Broadway section. Yeah. Um, there we go. See, mm-hmm. he likes to test you all the time. Um, <laughs> I saw a show called Me and My Gal, mm-hmm. and uh, they were doing a lot of the Cockney rhyming, like uh, Trouble and Strife. That's my wife, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And they were uh, um, so. There are probably a lot of Cockney expressions as well. There is quite a few from probably, way back. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, they're probably so outdated that nobody's using them anymore. Actually, I they they probably still use them a little bit up in the north of the country in Yorkshire, mm-hmm. um, Yorkshire and Chester. They'll still use some of the sayings, and especially up in Scotland. And I love the TV shows. You ever seen a show called Can't Pay, We'll Take It Away? Okay. No. <laughs> Have you seen? Uh, <laughs> I've, seen I've seen that one. That's a, I got Howard he, tuned into that one. Yeah. Have you uh, watched Forty Towers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Forty Towers? No. Yeah. You never watched Forty Towers? No, I haven't. Oh, you have to watch that one. What's that about? It's about a, it's a, like a hotel bed and breakfast place that is run by this couple and they have um, another lady there that's she's the waitress and she helps and they had a waiter there um, who's the best character of them all called Manuel now that's the the, the Monty Python crew right John Cleese John Cleese Mm -hmm. yeah um now, you ever As see, I try to sound like a know-it-all again, <laughs> Tony, Tony handed me a note. <laughs> well, uh, Doc Martin is the show I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do. I like uh, uh, Dragon's Den. I don't know if you've seen that. Dragon's Den is where That's Shark good. Tank. 
Shark Tank came You from. know, Can't Pay or We'll Take It Away yeah. is a show where they, I, I guess, I don't know what they, what do they call the, 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 the officials like of the government? Sheriff's uh, agents, I don't know. Where what. they come repossess people's cars and things like that. And they get all, you know, the people that you're taking their car get upset, but they haven't paid for it. Is, so is, somehow he finds somebody's misery interesting. I like reality shows. That's why I watch that. So <laughs> it's really the way the it's really the politeness of the the officers when they come into a bad situation, how they handle it that makes it a really good show. Yes. Uh, Sophie, what what kind of food do you miss from England? Roast beef, roast beef Sunday roast. Really? Sunday roast, yeah. Well, we have roast beef. Have you had it here? And it's what's the difference? It's just, it just the way it's prepared. It's just totally different. There's nothing like having a roast in Sunday roast back home in England and uh-huh. having all the roasted vegetables, Yorkshire puddings. Yes. Which are like you have to might as well just make. Them and that's up not here. really like pudding. I mean, that's a meat, isn't it? No, but Yorkshire pudding. It's like a pastry. Oh, it is pastry. It's, oh, it's delightful. And um, and they have one called Toad in the Hole. Which is huh. a York? It's a York, I, big base Yorkshire pudding with sausages put in. Okay, so it's not a sweet. No. And Yorkshire pudding is not sweet, is it? It's sweet enough, and then you put it. Then you put gravy. Pour your gravy in. When you take pieces, it's called just toad in the hole, and it's sausages baked into the Yorkshire pudding, and then you pour gravy all over it. I'm gonna leave here and get some toad in the hole. Toad in the hole. Try and <laughs> order that. Right. Yeah, at Gibson's. And see what happens. Uh, how about shepherd's pie? Is that a Scottish thing or is that English? It's English and Scottish, really. Shepherd's oh. pie, fish pie. Um, I, I might myself. I'm not. A, I don't eat lamb. Okay. So a lot of shepherd's pie is made with. It's actually right. supposed to be made with lamb because it's shepherd's. Right. Um, so my mum growing up couldn't do that. She had to make it with mincemeat. Okay. And it, uh, did you eat fish and chips? All the a time, lot? every Friday. Yeah, that's fabulous. Anything I mean. else you'd like to order? Uh, I don't know. I, I just like to talk okay. about food. And I like to talk about food in different countries. Okay, we got it all down for you my now. Actually, my, my, favorite, my favorite ever dish is actually um, boiled gammon with um, cabbage and pas- with parsley sauce and mashed potato. Boiled what? Boiled cabbage. No, no. What was the first part you said? Oh, boiled gammon. 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 It's a, it's a joint of ham. Have you ever had that? No. Never heard of it. It's and like you'd get big joints of ham, big yeah. balls of ham, where we have we call it boiled gammon ham. And my mum used to make it with, um, she'd boil it in Coca-Cola really? to caram- caramelize the oh. ham. And, oh, it was just beautiful. And then you have your parsley sauce to go over the top, and it was that's just my favorite dinner that could ever be cooked. It's so. making me think of my, another one of my favorite shows is The Great British Bake Off. Always watch it. Do you? Don't <laughs> you love it? I love it where contestants I, get together. Yeah. And, I love it just to see the countryside from back home in beautiful, England. beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. countryside. Uh, have you ever met the Queen? I haven't met the Queen, no, but my brother has. My yeah. brother has not only met the Queen on race days and in the paddock or if he's actually riding one of her horses, um, recently this year, he actually got to sit down and have lunch with the Queen. Wow. That's and, incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, does the Queen fancy racing? I mean, uh, races? Oh, yeah. And, really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She yeah. loves it. her number one sport. No kidding. And, and, yeah. well, and is known for showing up like that yeah. to see the races. She really enjoys her horses, and she will actually go She will go to the racing yards and give them, feed them carrots herself and... She loves her horses, and she still rides. Yes. She still goes around her park and enjoys riding. Yeah, in Ascot, which is a little ways outside London, they have a royal, it's called the Royal Meeting, Royal Ascot, and the Queen comes every day from Windsor Castle in a horse-drawn carriage, and they parade in front of the crowd, and then they go back into the the saddling area, and she gets off. So I've been lucky enough to be there a couple of times, top hat, Tails really took a selfie with the queen, yeah. which is kind of frowned upon. Why is that? 
Uh, it's not proper etiquette, uh, wouldn't you yeah. say? It would no. be. It's, not, it's like an American thing to do. I was do. actually thinking. I can't even remember. I don't even remember seeing a selfie with the Queen. Well, I've got one. Well, you're very yes. lucky. Yes. Very well, lucky. I was very lucky because one of the guards came up to me and said, uh, "Really." <laughs> and I said, just, can I just do it real quick? You're not going and to get he, any boiled gammon after yes, that. Yes, he said, he yeah. said uh, well, hurry up, please. Is that a good British accent? Yeah, can you hurry up, please? Could you hurry up, please? Mm-hmm. But he was really polite about it. A yeah. Secret Service person with the president here would, uh, you know, probably knock you down. <laughs> You'd be right. pinned to the ground. Right. I, the one thing I'd like to say about the Queen that my brother said that not many people would know unless obviously her own family but he was really as you can imagine he was super nervous thinking oh my gosh I'm going, you know, having lunch with the queen I've got to be proper I've got to do everything mm-hmm. right have all the right etiquettes not allowed to have your phone because I'm sure they probably won't want you taking pictures or doing anything because it would be really secure mm-hmm. it would be a proper sit down lunch so he was all prepared for this and been over in his mind probably a hundred times when he finally turned up at the house, walked in, he said, "She just said, oh, come here, James. You can come and sit down by me." Wow. Sat down, sat down on the couch, on the sofas in the living room, and just had teen sandwiches. He said it literally was like sitting with our grandmother and talking with her. He said she is such a lovely woman, and just so down down to earth. And it's just like sitting with your grandmother asking you a bunch of questions about life and horses and how races have gone on and what she's seen and asked you any questions about certain races that she had watched and some of the horses that my brother had rode. And it was, he said it was just a really lovely afternoon that for something that he thought was going to be so huge and had to be so proper and right. He said it was yeah. like, walk. once I walked in, it was like all that went mm-hmm. away. There was no like security people outside waiting for you to come in and do everything. It was like walking in, Walking in a home, sitting down with your grandmother for lunch, and it was really enjoyable. Yeah, speaking of security people, do you remember the story a few years ago where some guy got into Buckingham Palace and actually got into the Queen's bedroom, and she was in bed? Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you see the, you've yeah. seen the changing I'm, of the guard, and yeah, all, sure, you know, the guards all sure. around the place. Somebody got into Buckingham. How, how in the world did that ever happen? Mm-hmm. We have no and idea. And I think they said she just sat up and said... <laughs> May I help you? <laughs> You're a little lost. <laughs> well, it wasn't me. You keep staring at me. Yeah, I do. It wasn't, it wasn't well, me. that would be something you would pull. Now, Sophie, as you uh, think about your future, uh, well, what would you like to do? What's on your list as a writer? What, what, what would be really something you're looking forward to? Uh, for me, I'd be looking forward to riding as many greatest state wins as possible. And um, for me, in my point in my career, that I'm just happy to stay healthy, mm-hmm. stay fit, and to keep on enjoying what I'm doing as my career as a jockey and being a good athlete and a good ambassador as, ambassador for the sport. That's my goal. And um, would I have aspirations of being a top champion jockey? Yes, I would have done probably back when I first started, but I'm at a different stage of my career where in a few years' time I'll be looking to retire because I've got other things in life that I want to do. Um, such as? Such as that I'd like to, you know, there's, for me, I love racing and I've been with it my whole entire life. But I know there's also there's other jobs, there's other things that are going on in the world. There's different countries that I'd like to see. Um, and also, you know, if I was to get married and have a family and move in that direction as a woman, that's only natural. Sure. And that's something that I've always said that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be riding when I'm in my 40s unless something happens that changes that and that's where I'm just going to stay. I like to go and explore into different parts of the world, different jobs that are going on. And I'm, I'm sure I'll always be with horses. I mean, that's always a God, God's gift to me is yeah. that he brought horses into my world. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm sure that whatever you do, you're going to be a great success. As you said a second ago, you are a great ambassador for horse racing. You're a great representative of your country. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you on this show today. Thank you. And uh, Steve, hey, uh, and just answer, you learned answer, a lot. No, well, answer my call, Sophie. When when uh, when I hit, get word that you're at a certain track and you're just casually looking at races, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll know what I can bet on. There you go. <laughs>
perfect. And when, when do you race? Uh, uh, you will race through the summer at Arlington, or is that where you are this summer? Yeah, this, I was there last summer, and I'm here this summer too. And um, after Arlington closes, I'll be at Keeneland in Kentucky, and then I'll be heading to the fairgrounds in New Orleans for the winter. Eating some of that good spicy food. I like the jambalaya. <laughs> Yeah, Definitely. can't beat it. And gumbo. <laughs> All right. Sophie Doyle, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank we you for having me here it. this Are morning. You gonna, will you listen to the show? Absolutely. That, that'll be, that's interesting because Steve won't. <laughs> now, now, this is going to start <laughs> a whole other discussion. We'll, Sophie, we'll continue yeah. that. He's okay. never listened to one of them. At least they yeah. got the title done. of the show right. Yes. I mean, with All right. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Be sure to tune in to Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. Our podcast highlights the best soccer league in the world. The English Premier League. We recap the previous week's games. And preview the upcoming games. I do it from an American point of view. And I do it as an authentic Brit. Accent and all. That's authentic. Right, Governor? Not exactly how I say it. (laughs) We also talk about the local soccer scene because Adam is the Illinois Youth Director of Coaching. If you love soccer. Football. Football. Tune in to Free Kicks. New episodes drop weekly. On the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Uh, Steve, uh, Sophie was delightful, and you know what? I'm really smitten by a British accent. Yeah, Is that the yeah right it's word? always yeah. It always makes it, you pay extra attention to it. You want to hear whatever the person is saying over and over again because it it is not common for you to hear it. And what sticks out about what you learned from her? Was it the toad in the hole or? Uh, is that what well, it was I'm planning on? Yeah, I'm planning on having that as I watch uh, Only Fools and Horses and uh, other British episodes of Faulty Towers. Uh, no, I just thought that she uh, was very, um, very much a serious athlete, and I didn't expect that necessarily. I didn't know what to, to make of how jockeys thought of themselves. Or, oh, they're tremendous athletes. And so, uh, no, I was just a encouraged to to hear what it takes to do what she does i mean there's a lot of drama in it you know there's a lot of um yeah responsibility because you don't want to get yourself with a horse others hurt get anybody hurt yeah there is a lot to it Um, did i pass the test uh, you're always (laughs) testing me but did i get an a for remembering i gotta keep your mind sharp yeah uh i have to a couple corrections um the couple the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this whole show should be, be corrected. The, well, it can be. That's called editing. Uh, the and Tony's like, the hell with that. I'm not editing this thing. I do enough for you I'm guys. I'm still wondering. What, uh, you know, the I've, whole I've, podcast uh, thing is fascinating. I mean, do, is it a show? It is a show. Well, sure, but it's not a broadcast. No, it's not a broadcast. It's not a radio program. No, it, well, it, sort yeah. of. It's a radio it's program. It's like a radio program that goes on the World Wide Web. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Sophie's family will be able to listen to it, should they choose, <laughs> back in England. Uh, what I wanted to correct is the average attention span for a human being, we said, was three seconds. You said. Yeah, I, I, I said it. Um, it's actually, now, I probably have forgotten already, but yes. Tony told me that it's seven. It's eight. See, I got it wrong. <laughs> and in the year 2000, yeah. I'm going to get this wrong, too. It was 12. All right. It was 12 <laughs> seconds. And that's because of all this with our phones and yeah. well, social media and well, the constant all this distractions. stuff going on. Yes, exactly. You know, I have notes. I have text in front of me, like pages. I also have my phone where I, I put some other notes, some things I wanted to ask Sophie. And I'm surprised that the thing never buzzed or went off. Nobody ever wants to call me. My phone didn't make any noise. We would like to invite you to listen, subscribe, rate, back to you on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Just search for Radio Misfits, and it's completely free. I'm glad you paid attention to everything I was saying to you. And, I just, and, and didn't, the show's over. That's what <laughs> we've come to that. We've come to that just part. Done with it. Uh, okay. Closing words. Thoughts? Uh, I expressed them already. Okay. <laughs> but I wasn't listening. Uh, special thanks to today's engineer. Yeah, Samuel. Yeah, He's Samuel fantastic. Greenberg. Love Samuel. And our executive producer, Tony. Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. 
opishows.com, distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. That is back to you. Thank you, Steve. You're quite welcome. Um, my whole mood, my spirits have been uplifted after this experience today, and uh, I'm feeling great. I feel like uh, nothing could get me down, not even a bad parking situation. I'm happy for you. I'll see you next time. And everybody else, thanks for listening. Bye. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. We are happy to have Mark Cuban on the show. Is there a way that we can monetize my daughter's eye rolls? Can you do anything? Can, can you figure that out? So my daughter, I'll let her put on on Sirius XM whatever song she likes. We pull into this half circle when I drop her off, and, you know, she's ready to get out of the car. I'll say, I love you, sweetie. <laughs> Bam! Blast it. And, you know, and if it's a song I know the words to, then I'm singing along, too, and her friends are looking at me and looking at the Oh, car. man, there's nothing you know? more embarrassing than dad singing along. <laughs> oh, man, it's like, Kiki, do you love me? <laughs> Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. RadioMisfits.com. OPI! On this week of And Friends, we're talking about sexual things. Ooh, sexual things. <laughs> oh, yes. And Florida people. Ooh. And Mickey Mouse comes and Roundhouse kicks us. And Friends. Radiomisfits.com. I hate this show. <laughs> I love this show. Is this over? Yes.